Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is Mr. T. And you have joined us for the Bridge Network Bible Study on tonight. Life Applications. I'm glad that you're joining us, having a bit of technical difficulties with the computer and the phone, so we hope we can uh, get through this study with a bit of ease. Uh, It's been a little while. We had a summer break, and um, so now we're back into our life application study on tonight. Uh, We're going to try to finish up our leadership series that we've been uh, going through and uh, then we have some other uh, some other things that I'd like to kind of tap into that will lead us into uh, next week uh, through Purpose Driven Life uh, in Chapter 25. So might be able to step into that a little bit. Uh, and if not, we'll continue uh, on uh, uh, following week. So glad to have you with us on tonight. Again, uh, this is the Bridge Network. Uh, international, and this is our uh, Monday night uh, study as we study the Word of God. Uh, if you are in the Chicagoland area, we always love to invite you out uh, to the bridge as we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Uh, for our whole purpose is to fellowship together, to work together, to do the work of the Lord, and to bridge our gifts uh, so that we can build the kingdom of God. Amen. Um, So we're going to get started with a word of prayer, and then we will move further along into uh, what God would have us uh, to say on tonight. Heavenly Father, we bless your holy name, and we thank you for this opportunity to praise you in spirit and in truth, to magnify your name because you are worthy to be praised. We thank you, Lord God, that you are with us now. We pray that you would speak, that you would show us something that we've never seen before. Pray, Lord God, that you would give us a revelation word to encourage our spirits, encourage our hearts, and encourage our minds to move forward in you. Praying, Lord God, that as you guide us, direct us, and lead us through the path in which we should go, that we would magnify your name and that you would get all the glory, the honor. In the matchless name of Jesus, we give all praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Again, this is Minister T, and we're going to jump right in. We've been kind of studying this series, this uh, leadership series uh, that we picked up, uh, and talking about leadership foundations. And as we've gone through, we've gone through several uh, things, and you can check them out on our recording. Uh, But as we've gone through, we have talked about leaderships from all kinds of uh, areas, talking about the high calling, uh, talking about working together as leaders and and finding the right leaders, uh, talking about some of the myths that are related to leadership, and then the question, am I really ready to lead? We talked about that, Uh, talking about the hidden costs of leadership, 
uh, and also the slump of second-guessing when it comes to leadership. Uh, And now we're in kind of our devotional settings, as they call them, and we're going to talk about an honorable ambition, and then how do you know a leader? So we're going to talk about that tonight, and then we're going to uh, kind of go into some of the challenges that we face uh, in leadership and, and, and kind of the troubles that we go through with leadership. We're going to talk about that tonight, and as I said, that may lead us into uh, uh, a further study on next week, but uh, I think it will be a good study. So the first thing is we're going to look at an honorable ambition, and, and the text says that keeping the risk and rewards of leadership intention. And so our scriptures are coming from Jeremiah 45 and 5, uh, and then First Timothy 3 and 1. So I want to read those first. So let's first uh, get your Bibles out. If you don't have them, please, uh, you know, grab your Bible or uh, get on your uh, on your tablet or whatever and, and, and pull up a Bible uh, search uh, to find the scriptures on tonight. So Jeremiah 45 uh, and uh, 5, I'm going to look at that. And, in fact, I really, since Jeremiah 45 is really short, I'm actually going to read the whole thing, and and the title is A Message to Barak. Um, it says, the prophet Jeremiah gave a message to Barak, son of Narah, in the fourth years of the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Joseph, after Barak had been written, uh, had been after Barak had written down everything Jeremiah had dictated to him. He said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Barak. You have said, I am overwhelmed with trouble. Haven't I had enough pain already? And now the Lord has added more? I am weary of my own sighings and can find no rest. And Barak This is what the Lord says. I will destroy this nation that I built. I will uproot what I planted. You are seeking great things for yourself? Don't do it. But don't be discouraged. I will bring great disaster upon all these people, but I will protect you wherever you go. I, the Lord, have spoken. Amen. And now let's look at... First Timothy, um, the first First Timothy chapter three, and let's look at verse number one. It says, uh, "It is a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, he desires an honorable responsibility." Amen. So let's look at this in a little bit more detail. Even in in chapter five, uh, forty five uh, of Um, Jeremiah, and really understanding, you really have to go to chapter 38 of Jeremiah to understand who Barak was, uh, that we don't have a lot of information about him except to know that he was uh, the person that did a lot of scribing uh, as well as speaking uh, for Jeremiah. In fact, in chapter 38, uh, we'll see Jeremiah has been imprisoned. And Barak is responsible for then writing down the message that was given to Jeremiah by God so that the people of Israel, the people would know uh, what the Lord was saying unto them because he was very unpleased with the way they were living and the things they were doing. And so uh, Barak, not being a prophet himself, but worked 
uh, and was a servant of Jeremiah, had the responsibility of not only having to write this information down, but he also had to repeat the information, which meant that sometimes, he, you know, he, you know, and we find ourselves as leaders that, you know, when the Lord speaks to us and we have to say certain things, even the family members, you know, and it might not feel comfortable when we get the message. Uh, even you can look at Joseph. Joseph had, had the same situation, you know, that the Lord is speaking to him and telling him of his dreams of what is going to come to pass and that your family is going to actually kneel at your feet and all of this and having to be able to say this unto people and what the Lord says, it makes it even in your position as a leader uh, and a place of responsibility, it sometimes is very uncomfortable uh, to do it. It's very challenging to do it because now people are looking at you and, and kind of saying, well, who do you think you are? And so Barak finds himself in the same place that now he has to deliver this message and, and he had to do it in, in 38 and now he comes now back in 45 and basically he's coming and saying you know what I'm just tired I'm just I can't do this no more I'm just tired. I just you know all of the the people looking down on me the backbiting the talking about me uh, me not having friends anymore me being secluded because of this place that I'm here with uh, Jeremiah and Jeremiah is receiving this word from God about what God is going to do and how he's going to bring wrath and I have to come and I have to actually Is, is is challenged here, and he says, you know, I'm tired. I just, you know, I, Lord, I just, you know, I, I'm overwhelmed with the troubles. Not only was he overwhelmed with the troubles uh, of what the people were, what was going on, but he was overwhelmed with the knowledge of knowing what God was about to do. And and we get to that place, too, especially as le- in leadership, when we go before the Lord and we're praying before the Lord, and we know uh, what what things are to come uh, in the end days. And it is very troubling and it is very challenging when we have to see our family and our friends and even just this world going through because we know, we know what is to come. And, and so our hearts cry out as leaders is to reach out and to really reach out and try to communicate this message that people don't want to hear. And so, you, you know, we become heavy-hearted. We become troubled. It almost seems like every the things that we're trying to do are not effective. They're not listening. They're not reaching. And so Barack has this challenge, too. He, he, he looks at himself, and, and he says, you know, haven't I had enough pain? Haven't I have been going through this? I'm trying to be the best person you're calling me to be. I'm trying to do what you call me to do, but, you know, haven't I had enough pain already? And so even in this, the Lord then speaks to him and and tells him, you know what, the nation that I built, that I will destroy, that there's a destruction that will come, and and that I'm going to uproot those that want to put themselves in a position uh, of of trying to put themselves in hierarchy. And and that was what was happening, is that all these leaders, these people that were walking around calling themselves uh, priests and and calling themselves Pharisees and all of that, walking around with these robes and all this kind of stuff, going into the streets and and people saying rabbi and all, you know, and and, and giving them all of the accolades, but yet not doing anything. And, And what God was saying is that, you know, I'm about to uproot some stuff. I'm about to get some, take care of some things. And so, uh, Barack knew this, and, and the Lord was even telling him, so don't go in their direction. Don't do what they're trying to do because they're about to get uprooted. 
And so he was letting Barak know that there was a destruction, that the great things were going to come. He said, but he said also to not be discouraged. And, and that's a message on, on even tonight, uh, you know, that many times, you know, I talked about leadership. We don't necessarily have to look at leadership in the way of the pulpit, but looking at the leadership of who's watching us and that each of us, uh, there's somebody watching us. There's somebody keeping an eye on us, no matter how we want to or not. I like, uh, you know, I remember back in the day, Charles Barkley said, you know, I'm nobody's mentor. You know, he didn't want to have that responsibility, but it's by default uh, that we have a responsibility that somebody is watching. Amen. As I as I said before, Amen. Pray for pray for our connections, because uh, it just kicked me off. <laughs> it just kicked me off. So uh, we got to pray for our connections on tonight. But anyway, uh, as I was uh, sharing and just talking about you know the troubles and the challenges that we have, Barack finds himself in the same place and, and just being discouraged. Uh, to know that, one, he had to carry this message, uh, which meant that it separated him and set him apart, you know, and, and, and carrying a message of the Lord, but also to the place that, you know, sometimes we get to a place that, yeah, we want to be like everybody else. And so in this in this particular case, the Lord was just really giving them a message to let him know uh, that great destruction was going to come. Uh, and, and for those that call themselves to be in leadership, but are really focusing on them themselves, that uh, he was going to uproot them. And so he wanted him to know, to don't be discouraged, you know, because a great disaster is going to come. And, and, and we have to encourage ourselves that, yes, we know that, the thing, that, that we're in the end times. And, and yes, it is our responsibility, though, to continue to be a leader, uh, to continue to be the example, to continue to press forward, you know, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice means that then when we're sacrificing, that means that there's there's not necessarily any ease in that. There, there is a pain, there's a trouble, there's a challenge, and even Christ himself, although he wanted to, he said, Lord, he said, Father, take this cup from me if, if I don't have to do this, but let your will be done. And we, too, have to remember that when we're in leadership roles and leadership positions, or either, again, in just leadership within our family, that sometimes it is challenging and sometimes it is hard and discouraging, but yet it is that's when we come into our place of prayer before the Lord just to say, God, give us the strength to continue on, you know, and, and although, Lord God, this is hard for me to do, 
continue to give me the strength and your will be done. Not not my will, not what I want to do, but what you want to do and how you want to use me because I, I give my life to you as a living sacrifice, that it may be holy and acceptable that somebody else can see your greatness and your goodness. And so even in the scripture on the on tonight, you know, we see uh, Barak in this place where he is to a leader. He's not the he's not the prophet, but he is a leader in his own right because he is called to service uh and called to do the will of the Lord. And then also we see uh talks about in Timothy because the lesson also had us look at Timothy where it said it is a, a true saying that if someone wants to be an elder, he desires an honorable responsibility, and and that's what we're talking about even in our uh, study lesson, an honorable ambition that when we accept the call of Christ and 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 really accept the call for leadership in any particular way. Again, I'm not summing this up to being on a pulpit, but I'm just talking about accepting and really taking to heart the the position that we stand as as daughters, as aunts, as as husbands and wives and sisters and brothers, uh, you know, mothers and fathers, whatever place that we're in, even in our workplace, even on our jobs, that we carry a, a leadership responsibility we carry that responsibility uh, as a king, a child of God, and an ambassador of the kingdom, to stand and to endure, and and, and really to show the strength. Uh, where our strength come from, that it doesn't come from us, but it comes from him because somebody else needs strength. And and so as we uh, encourage each other and encourage each other to take on this this honorable responsibility, especially as an elder, as, especially as a, a person to, to lead, it is an, an honorable ambition. And so uh, on tonight, I want to kind of read the lesson, uh, and there are a few questions that are at the end, but I'm going to just kind of read through this. And it's kind of like a comprehension. Again, it's a devotional that we're talking about here that reflects and talks about the scripture. It says that most Christians have reservation about aspiring to leadership. They are sure about whether it is truly right to want to be a leader. And after all, isn't it better for the position to seek out the person rather than the person to seek out the position? Hasn't ambition caused the downfall of several otherwise great leaders in the church, people who fell victim to the last infirmities of noble minds? No doubt Christians must resist a certain kind of ambition, but we must also acknowledge other ambitions as noble, worthy, and honorable. Our scripture texts offer both warning and encouragement for sorting out the difference. When our ambition is to be effective in the service of God, to realize God's highest potential for our lives, we must keep both of these verses in tension. The rewards Paul experienced for leading the church were hardship, content, and rejection. The leader was the first to draw fire in persecution and the first in line to suffer. Seen in this light, Paul's encouragement does not seem so open to misuse by people who merely seek status in the church. Phonies, 
would have little heart for such difficult assignments. Under the dangerous circumstances that prevailed in the first century, even stout-hearted Christians needed encouragement and incentive to lead. So Paul called leadership an honorable ambition. In Paul's day, only a deep love for Christ and genuine concern for the church would motivate people to lead. But in many cultures today, where Christian leadership offers prestige and privilege, people aspire to leadership for reasons quite unworthy and self-seeking. Jeremiah gives Barak some very wise counsel when he says, should you then seek great things for yourself? The prophet was not condemning all ambition as sinful, but he was pointing to selfish, selfish motivation that moves ambition and makes ambitions wrong. Great things for yourself. Desiring to be great is not a sin. Our Lord never, our Lord never warned against the urge of high achievement, but he did expose and condemn unworthy motivation. Christians are called to develop God-given talents to make the most of their lives, to develop the fullness of their God-given powers and capacities. But Jesus taught that ambition centers on self is wrong. Ambition that centers on the glory of God and the welfare of the church is a mighty force for good. Amen. So tonight, I'm going to open it up early for discussion, and then I'm going to jump into the other uh, lesson on tonight. But so tonight it says, and the question is, how did you decide to serve as a church leader? That's the first question. The second question is, what are the true rewards of leadership? And then the third question is, what might God be telling you about your leadership aspirations? So there are three questions. How did you decide to serve as a church leader? Two, what are the true rewards of leadership? And three, what might God be telling you about your leadership aspirations? So I'm going to open it up. Uh, I'll jump in. I'll start first, and then I'll open it up uh, for anybody else to jump in. How did I start to serve as church leader? I think it's always been a, a passion in, in my heart to uh, not necessarily serve as church leader, but just to love God, the the, the desire uh, to, to read God's word, the passion in my heart to love God and to love people. So that has always been there in my heart and and and, and are the great greatest commandments ever is to love. And so in that process of love, that love has always developed in my heart to lead me to a place of leadership uh, and to serve as a leader. I think the first time I really kind of tapped into really being a leader uh, in church I think may have been probably in my early teens, um, and really when I got into uh, Methodist uh, church and was in leadership there and have been ever since uh, and looked to pursue to, to, to be a part of a, a place that I could be a support. And I think in that process, 
the true rewards of leadership have been to see smiles on other people's faces, to see transformations happen has been truly a reward for me. And and what keeps me going to know that, uh, you know, that if I could just help somebody, it, it doesn't have to be a million people, but if I can help somebody with a word, a kindness, a, a, a love for God in my heart that I can share with somebody else, that's leadership to me. It does not have to always be the physical things, but to know that I, I love God and that I can love somebody else, and that and those are the greatest commandments to be fulfilled, and to see then that transpire and work in somebody's heart, or even not to see it, but to know that I transferred it, uh, because sometimes we don't see uh, what happens when we help people or we give words, encouraging words to people, but just to know that when we do it and when we say it, that to know that it is effective, uh, although we might not see it. And that that's a true reward to, to know that I am doing what God has called me to do. And then the other thing is what might God be telling me about my leadership aspirations? I think what he's telling me, you know, you know, I've had challenges in the last couple of years just with the things of my health and and even the challenges of ministry and, and asking the Lord, Lord, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? You know, it doesn't it doesn't do I have the vision of of do I need to refocus? Do I need to see some things uh, or am I looking at it differently? And even in those, I understand that God is telling me you know, even in leadership aspirations that, you know, to focus on the two things that really drove me to serve in leadership, and that's to love him and to love people, and everything else will fall in place. And and to be concerned with those two things, that I love him and I love people, and that he'll direct my path. So, uh, you know, that that's kind of my testimony. Now I'm going to open it up and, and hear any other, body, other people's comments. This is a minister, Eunice. Um, I, I would probably have to say that leadership called me first uh, before I called. And I guess I, I, I really say it that way in terms of I grew up in church even as a little girl. And uh, I thank God for the pastor that I had that had that passion. And then whenever he spoke, he spoke with passion, he spoke with conviction, but he made you just want to know God on a personal level. So I grew up under that and under the tutelage of him teaching. And so I can remember as late as being six or seven, always when I would take a bath, I would always take a bath in the tub, but I always imagined having this church. So my mother would always get on me about staying in the bathroom so long because she said I was always having my own church in the bathtub. And, and even though I couldn't sing, I, I would go through the whole motions of the entire church. And so I, I, I think that God knew before he created me, uh, informed me, he already knew it. I had already put that in my being, that that's what he had uh, plans for my life. And so I pretty much am walking through uh, the story that's already been written for for my life in general. And so that's why I said I think a leadership called me before I called uh, or I I took the yes. And so I just give God praise for that. Uh, And as far as uh, the second question was the attributes, is that right, Minister T? The true rewards, what, what are the true rewards of leadership for you? What does that mean? Uh, The true reward to me, just, just to know him personally. 
just to have that connection. And I think that's what drives me because I always believe that when you have a personal relationship with anyone, you you know their past, you know their love, you know their struggles. And the same as it is with Christ, that when you know him on a personal level, you're totally different from just actually meeting someone and and having a, a friendship, but it's more of a fellowship. It's more of a deep, Dark, I mean, a deep relationship where you know that you know that you know for yourself. And so that, that, that whole attribute for me is to know that I know him on a personal level. I know that when I pray, he hears me. And I don't have to second guess and say, I wonder if he heard me. I wonder if he's going to answer me. But to have such a connection that I know even now that if I close my eyes, that I know he he himself personally would come for me. I wouldn't have to be concerned where I would spend my last days or my last hours knowing that because of that relationship that I have with him, that's that still that closeness, that still that, that uh, as the psalm said, that he, I, I can, he hears my heart and I hear his heart panting after me. So I, I thank God for just having that type of relationship that there are no doubts as far as my, my, my relationship with him. There's no doubt in, in what I know that I'm hooked up and, and connected with that. I, I don't live in that fear that if he comes, I, I would have to even guess where I'm going. I, I know without a shadow of a doubt that that connection is true in my life, and it's, and, it, and it's true because of the Christ in me. Amen. Any other comments? Yes. Hi there, Minister T, Minister Eunice. This is Minister Valerie. Uh, Minister, I heard you say, too, like in the first one, how did you decide to serve as a church leader? I think yeah. for myself, uh, I never aspired to be a leader per se, um, but it was just the studying and, and praying and understanding um, God's word and the will for, and his purpose for my life, I was enthused about it and so enthusiastic that I wanted to share that with other people um, in, in um, expectation that they would see uh, that enthusiasm, they would believe it, and they would want to study and want their own personal relationship with God. Um, I would say that the true reward, though, um, I guess of this leadership position would be that um, if someone, after hearing a word or if someone comes to you, you know, with, with something and confidence and you pray with them and you share with them, for them to be able to see, you know what, I get that, what you're saying, or you've made me feel better, and I'm believing, you know, in you that you genuinely believe in what you're saying. Um, so I think that in itself is a definite reward. Um, I would also say that what God would possibly be telling me about leadership aspirations, even though it may not be intentional, um, and and I guess it would be uh, – that he continues to work with me, mold me, so that I will be um, effective um, in what it is he's called me to do. That I will feel approachable with humility and be confident that as long as I'm believing in him, he's going to lead me in the way that I should go. And I heard what you said earlier about even if we don't intentionally seek out uh, leadership. Um, that because he has, you know, uh, caused us to do some things and we have taken on that responsibility that we are, uh, by default, we have a responsibility to where people can see that we actually believe what we're saying, that there is an anointing 
um, and that you are constantly under the microscope. So we have to be very careful in how we carry ourselves. Um, our lives, again, are definitely under close, close scrutiny, and we have to be careful that we are believing what we're preaching and, and we're living our lives accordingly to what the Bible calls us to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. A wonderful comment. And and even in this lesson, it, it, it ends with it, and it says to thank God for your calling. Um, and and that I thought that was interesting that it said to thank God for your calling. And, the, and I even questioned, I said, well, why would I thank God for the calling? But when you think about, you know, it, it is an honor and it is a privilege to, to even that the Lord would place upon each of our hearts to want to have a passion and desire uh, to love him and to love people and to want to share the message. And, and that, that you know, when it, again, when we talk about leadership and we think about leadership uh, and even the aspirations of leadership that, you know, many times we don't think that, you know, we're going to uh, necessarily uh, be in a place of leadership uh, where millions and millions of pe- people are following us. But we do um, know that there is something inside of us that desires for us to tell the story, the good news, and that's what he wants us to do. And by default, it places us in a position then to be a leader of, to, of for somebody. And, and so, you know, even in our prayers is to thank God for calling us, but also uh, to ask him to help us to serve with humility and serve with confidence. And, and to serve with confidence and knowing that what he is having us to do is is the right thing because it is it is the word of God that says that we are to go and we are to teach and we are to preach and we are to baptize and we are to share the good news of Christ and and that's all a part of, of that role in leadership. Now the second uh, lesson talks about how do I know a leader? That's the title of it, and so. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 and 7, and 11 and 12. And it says uh, in Matthew chapter 23, 1 and 7, Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, The teachers of religious law and Pharisees are the official interpreters of the scripture. So practice and obey whatever they say to you, but do not follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush you with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to help ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scriptures verses inside them. And they wear long tassels on their robes. And how they love to sit at the head of tables at banquets and in the most prominent seats in the synagogue. They enjoy the attention. They get on the streets, and they enjoy being called rabbi in verse 11 and 12. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So on tonight it says, how do you know a leader? And it may be too early to tell. So here is the other devotion uh, on tonight. It says, godly leadership is not so much the splash you make when you're around 
as the ripples that continue after you're gone. How do you know a leader? And this commentary says, my husband and I once asked a group of high school students. Apparently, it was not a question they were asked every day. Silence. Then, from the back row, Doug raised his hand. Mark, I don't think you know a leader until he's gone. At that time, I dismissed Doug's answer as a typical high school avoided the issue response. But over the years, I have decided Doug's answer was probably the most profound commentary on leadership I have ever heard. Sad to say, examples of Doug's leadership style are hard to spot. We are much more used to leadership on display. Such leadership calls out to be noticed in much the same way the Hollywood star John Travolta heralds himself while shopping at a Beverly Hills store. Tired of waiting in line, he pushed to the front and demanded the clerk to the clerk and said, doesn't anyone know who I am? Such leadership style is nothing new. It was around Jesus' day when he when he nailed the Pharisees on four specifics in Matthew 23, 1-7, he expected others to do, he, they expected others to do what they themselves were unwilling to do in verse 4. They perform for show. Everything they do is done for men to see in verse number 5. They expected preferential treatment. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue, verse number six. And they gloried in their titles. They loved to be greeted in the marketplaces as men called them rabbi.
Hello? Yes. What happened? I don't know how to call several times and I can't, I don't hear anybody. I know, I didn't hear anybody either. Minister T? No, this is me. You miss. Minister T, she's gone. I know, and I called her up three times. Hmm. I hung up and dialed back in. I uh-huh. I called back again. <laughs> Why? I, I don't know what happened. Oh. Huh. So I thought if I hang up and call back, I could get back in. Okay. Oh, well. I guess we just finished lesson one, and after five yeah, hours, I'll just... Try to call well, a house and see. Oh, no, no answer. No, I'm trying to call now. Let me see if I can add a call. Hold on. No. Okay, nobody answers, Valerie. Oh well. Okay, I guess she's going. Hey, how's how's Tasha? Oh, um, she's still there. So. Okay. Right. I didn't get to talk to her. Um, I just talked to my other sister, so she said that uh, my other niece talked to her. She was doing a little better, so I don't know oh. yet. Okay. Wow. All right. Post it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that was it, huh? Yeah. Maybe she sure. didn't have which is weird. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm trying to call her mama phone downstairs to make sure everything's okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. And then I'll call you back and let you know it's okay. All right, then. Okay. Okay. You take care. Okay. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Amen. I'm back. Is anybody on? (laughs) Hello.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.